Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Doug Karshkater out today. It's Carson Anderson, 97, won the ticket. Let's talk a little Detroit Lions as we welcome in Dave Burkett, a beat writer who covers the Lions for the Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dave Burkett, uh, on Twitter, and it's B-I Burkett, not B-U Burkett. Just thought I'd clarify. Uh, Dave, how you doing, bud? I appreciate the uh, the clarification there, Doug. You Does never it, know, right? There's, d- some, there's some Burkitts out there, B-U. So. Yeah. Yeah, is there a rivalry between the BI Burkats and the BU Burkats? You know, when I was when I was little, and there was a John Burkett Burkett. I don't know how how he pronounced it. That was pitching for the Rangers. I used to claim him. So did you? Okay. No, uh, no rivalry. I just used to pretend he was my my grandpa or something. <laughs> Good call. Uh, all right. So I I got a question. How long have you been covering this team? Damn, long time. Uh, 2010 was my first year at the Free Press. I covered the 2008 season as well for the Oakland Press, so about 15 years total. What? How different is this experience in 2023 than the previous, what appears to be, 15 seasons? Yeah, no, it's, it is. I mean, um, look, this is the best team I've covered. Someone had asked me that the other day for a mailbag I did on, on three.com. And I said, this is the best team that I've covered, you know, hands down. I mean, the 2014 team was a good team um, defensively, especially, but you know, this team, the offense is there. And most importantly, the path is there, right? The path to the playoffs and the division championship and, and maybe doing something in the playoffs, you know, that, that team in, in 2014 and even back to 2011, they, you know, they had the, the Packers in front of them and Aaron Rodgers, and it just felt like no matter what was going to happen, they weren't a threat. And this year, the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. I think most people agree with that. But, I mean, the Lions could, could win any game, and they might be they might have a couple home playoff games, which would certainly help in that regard. So it's it's different for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I got a theory, but you're around him a lot more, and you I don't mind if you tell me I'm completely full of poi. But I think we're seeing an example of what a good football culture can do for you. And I, I've cited watching the maturation process of a young star like Jamison Williams, who made some people uncomfortable and obviously made a mistake but seems like he bought into everything, which included and maybe started with blocking downfield, celebrating the team's success, uh, a yeah. lot of that stuff. It, it feels to me like we finally have a culture that is feeding towards winning instead of one that unfortunately led to losing. No doubt. And, you know, Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, Sheila Hemp, I mean, every, you know, everyone top down certainly deserves credit for that. And really, if you, you know, if you kind of, sat down and we're building a team from scratch aside from like drafting a quarterback, you know, number one overall and having him on a rookie deal. This is kind of how you do it, you know, acquire extra draft picks and hire a coach that, you know, maybe takes, takes some risks, but plays fun football and gets people to believe in him and build through the draft. And, you know, you got some young players now that, that Brad has, has drafted that, you know, are going to need some, some big contracts coming up because they're among the best players at their position in the league. So I think they've done a lot of things right. And that doesn't guarantee that they're going to be here for a long, long time. You know, these windows open and close pretty quick in the NFL. But there's no doubt that that culture that you mentioned um, really 
maybe it was it was tough to see from the start because we've heard that word. It's a buzzword you hear it so often around the league, but I do think that's a big part of why they're having success. You you mentioned the contracts, and it's something we're going to get into a little bit today. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but it feels like to me like their first big decisions are Jonah Jackson and whether or not to extend golf. Uh, they probably want to figure out if they want to bring C.J. Gardner-Johnson back because he's on a one-year deal. Is there anybody else I'm missing that's that's key this year this offseason? Well, you know, the one that maybe people don't quite realize is up yet because he's not completely up, but I'm on Ross St. Brown. You know, he's he can, after three years, players are eligible for extensions. That would put him and Panay Sewell in that boat. The Lions still have the fifth-year option on Sewell, so that might not be quite as um, as, as dire to get that one done right away. But, look, if I'm St. Brown, just speaking from the player standpoint, the agent standpoint, like I wouldn't play next year on a $3 million deal when, you know, the, the going rate for a, a top receiver in the NFL is 25 to $30 million. So, you know, um, I would probably, if I was the Lions, try to get that deal done. If I was St. Brown, I would want a deal. If I was his agent, I would want that sort of close to top of the market money. And, you know, when you start paying players that aren't quarterbacks that kind of money and you have to pay a quarterback too, you know, that certainly cuts into what else you can do or you have to make some decisions. You know, there's everyone talks about the caps in the NFL, that the cash spend is really the big thing. And if you're writing, you know, St. Brown a big check and Jared Goff a big check and who knows what you're doing at the interior of the offensive line or C.J. Gardner-Johnson, like you mentioned, all of a sudden that starts to add up. Amon Ra, okay, so if you have to pay Amon Ra and Jonah Jackson and Jerry, I mean, can you keep everybody? Is Are they going to be able to work this out? Because it seems to me like they've prepared, they've war-chested, they didn't get a guy that they were going to need to re-sign at the trade deadline. Can they keep, right. is there a way to finagle this thing and keep everybody? No, you're right, right? I mean, I don't know specifically, I, they weren't really in a Montez sweat, and I don't know specifically why, but having to pay him, you know, 20 plus million dollars a year annually, plus all those other guys, that's probably, probably wouldn't have been reasonable. I mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, they keep the most important players, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown was a draft pick. He's part of that culture. He's essential to that. Like I, I absolutely think at some point they're, you know, Jared Goff, um, as long as things don't go completely off a cliff, I, I I'd be stunned if they didn't pay him, you know, he's the guy that they're, they're riding with. You know, the, the offensive line is a little trickier. You know, Vitae's salary comes off the book. Glasgow is a, a free agent as well. Jonah Jackson's a free agent. They drafted Colby Soresdale last year. So, you know, I, I don't know that they can afford to pay everyone, but the reality, Doug, and you know this, is that when that offensive line is right and healthy and complete, this is a completely different team than, than when it's not. And so, and Jonah has been a big part of that. So, that's something that they're going to have to figure out this offseason. Dave Burkett from the Freep with us. Nice. I want a ticket. Is a Fatu Malafonwu for real? Is this what we're going to get the rest of the way? Man, that's, you know, uh, with Gardner Johnson coming back, I, I don't know what his role is going to be. I think he's played well enough to keep a role. You know, Malafonwu has certainly been a pleasant surprise here of late. He's been better for that defense than, than Tracy Walker was. You know, his versatility, the fact that he can – you know, has some coverage skills from playing cornerback and, and obviously a big guy who's not afraid to stick his nose in it. So I do think, you know, maybe we're we're just scratching the surface a little bit on what he is. But, you know, when C.J. Gardner-Johnson is back, he's a starter and you're probably not sitting Kirby Joseph and Brian Branch is playing the slot. So um, it's a good problem to have. Uh, and I don't know that I'd, I'd, I'd be, you know, handing Iffy a contract and he's not doing yet, but, but handing him a contract just based on the, the small body of work 
given his injury history, but you have to like what you've seen if you're the Lions. What about the ability to rush the passer that they showed against Denver? It looked to me like that was throwing the kitchen sink at a team, and it I don't know that you can do that every week. No, you certainly can't. And, you know, I think, you know, the way some of the guys explained it, because what they did a lot in Denver that maybe they hadn't done quite as much some of the other weeks was was blitz, you know, defensive back blitzes, essentially safeties and cornerbacks, and they got home with some of those. And the thought really was that, you know, Denver likes to take some shots downfield and, uh, you know, max protected, and they didn't want to sit there and give Russell Wilson time. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's the, the game plan every week. You know, when you play a Dak Prescott, that's probably a little better uh, quarterback than, than Russ. And, and, you know, they've got a little better weapons, you know. So it, it's probably not something that's sustainable, but it was a really good game plan last week. It's nice to see the pass rush come around. I still think they need a little more pass rush just out of the, the front four to pair with Aiden Hutchinson. How realistic, in your opinion, is it for this team to win out and get the two seed? Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Well, that, you know, if they went out, that's what happens. Um, they would they would hold a tiebreaker against the Cowboys and, and the Eagles um, in the case of ties, or I guess the Cowboys wouldn't have the same record. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I think they lose at Dallas, which bumps them down to the three seed. But, look, the Cowboys aren't, you know, infallible. I mean, that's a team that can be beat. They just were. But they have a really good defense. And, Doug, I think the teams that give, off, or that give the Lions a lot of trouble are ones that can put up points. And Dallas has some some pretty good offensive weapons um, at, at multiple spots, and, and not a bad offensive line. And so I think that's going to be a tough game for them to win. We touched on this a little bit earlier. Well, we touched on the topic of Jamison Williams and how the culture might have helped bring him along. But it, I, you know, I asked you the question about Melifonwu. Is what we saw Saturday what you expect to get from Jamo the rest of the way? Because it seems like the learning curve is very steep, and everybody. I mean, when Goff said after the game Saturday, I trust him. That's the kind of thing he said about Amon-Ra and he has said about uh, Laporta. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I think we have to give Jamison credit for, you know, where he's come, the, the strides that he's made. I still think he's uh, very raw, you know, very big work in progress. You know, some of the routes that he runs, um, turning the right way on, on some of those deep balls. Him and Goff just don't always seem in sync on some of those those deep routes, and maybe that doesn't come till next year. But there's no doubt that his speed – explosiveness that he has that's an element that you know the Lions just don't have without him and really frankly most NFL teams don't have someone that can can fly like that and you know he's not going to be Tyreek Hill they're different types of of fast but um, for what the Lions want to do on offense and sort of when you look at the the big picture of all the pieces that you need to be successful you know Jamison can be an important part of this offense. Well, as this regular season winds down, it sure is fun. It sure is different. I made the comment like it's having a job in a whole new industry, getting to talk about a winning <laughs> winning NFL team. Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press, thank you for the insights. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 